Hi folks, my name is Kevin Dunn, and welcome to Agency Unfiltered, a bi-weekly web series and podcast that interviews agency owners around agency operations, growth, and scale. Nobody knows how to scale agencies better than those that are already doing it, and they're happy to share an unfiltered look into what has worked and what hasn't. Today, we're joined by Carter Severns and Cameron Taggart, partners at Creative Cave. While some folks view paid ads and inbound as competing channels, these two see it as fuel to the inbound fire. Throw wood on the fire, drive traffic to high value content offers, and see quicker ROI with paid ads. Another episode of Agency Unfiltered begins now. Welcome, guys, to Agency Unfiltered. We're absolutely delighted to, uh, to have you here. Thanks. Thanks, man. Appreciate yeah. it. We're yeah. excited. Um, I think this is going to be a fun topic to dig into. Uh, it sounds from your perspective, uh, paid ad strategy fits in really well with you know, a traditional inbound campaign. Uh, maybe the, the perception is that they're usually mutually exclusive, uh, but it sounds like you guys think otherwise. Yeah, so I think uh, for us, it's something that, that we kind of fell into, um, given our backgrounds and as an agency, what we do. But um, it's really just, it's been a really nice marriage to kind of see how the two work together. And like you, you mentioned, it's, uh, it's often thought of as maybe two separate camps or maybe even two competing channels, if you will. Yeah. Um, and what we found is that when you can kind of uh, leverage the two together in, in the right balance, um, it can be really powerful for, for what you're doing from an inbound perspective. That's great. So from an inbound perspective, an inbound campaign, like where does that paid ad strategy fit in uh, in the larger picture? Sure. So um, every client or every engagement that we get into can have really different goals, right? So um, you could be dealing with a lot of different decision makers and a lot of different, you know, chefs in the kitchen, as they call it. So um, a lot of times what we'll see is, you know, someone uh, maybe up in the, the C-suite, maybe not on the marketing team, they're really focused on the ROI and, and the, the dollars and the numbers and, and the spreadsheet, right? So for every dollar I spend, what's my clicks, impressions, leads, all of that. Um, and then there's also the, the marketing side where, you know, they typically have a, a good understanding of, of a long-term inbound strategy and mm -hmm. how that can benefit you over time as you can kind of build up that engine. So, um, like I said, each client kind of has a different uh, perspective or priorities. And mm -hmm. what we found is a lot of times if we can kind of keep both sides happy um, via paid for that, that, that side that's really concerned about I need ROI quickly, mm -hmm. as well as getting that, that inbound engine going in the background for that marketing team. If we can kind of marry those two together, that can help keep both, both companies, I mean, both parties happy. That's great. So, so there's a contrast where it sounds like what you said, inbound is a long-term investment, right. but having a nice paid ad strategy up front can get you some of that quick return, that quick ROI. Um, so if we want to make that happen, what are the, the, targeting strategies, the networks, like how do you guys build out those campaigns to be the most effective for, for your clients? So just to take a quick step back, I wanted to give a, uh, it's kind of a, a metaphor, if you will, that we kind of use. Um, I'm a big fan of metaphors, yeah, so, so I'm, I'm all in on this. Yeah, yeah so this I'm is another one that, that really, um, you know, as we started talking through this and kind of telling the story, it kind of started to click in my head of like, uh, talking about paid media being the fuel to your inbound fire. Mm -hmm. So. Um, in a simple like campfire metaphor, if you will, it's like um, if you're trying to be as hot as possible for 30 minutes, then throw all the wood on the fire, 
right? right? Put all that paid media budget into immediately. If you have no long-term expectations, you don't care what happens six, eight months down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're trying to have a sustainable balance of the two, do you want to keep feeding that fire a little bit at a time to keep you warm throughout the entire night? Mm-hmm. So as you continue to, to put that fire or that paid media into your inbound campaign, you'll continue to see that fire grow and probably at a quicker rate than were you just to leave it by itself. Yeah. AKA an inbound campaign will start to drive that traffic. You'll start to see those organic results coming through, but without adding that fire to it, it's just going to take longer. Mm. So ad spend is the logs to keep your fire burning. It, to keep the fire burning or to make it burn faster, oh, yeah, hotter, hotter, larger. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Nice. Um, so um, is it uh, PPC on Google? Is it Facebook, sure. LinkedIn? So like, where, where, where do you tend to put most of your effort, time, resources, bandwidth? Like what networks do you find to be the most impactful for, for your inbound clients? Yeah, so um, to use the typical marketing cop-out uh, depends on your goals. Sure, right? yeah, so that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but really that, that holds true, right? So um, obviously we're a very B2B focused agency. So uh, LinkedIn is the, the natural choice there. And that's where we've seen a ton of success for clients as far as um, leveraging content to drive leads, right? Mm. Um, but there's also uh, other avenues that we can use when you think about you know, bottom of the funnel type conversion activities or, or people searching for very bottom of the funnel type terms. Mm. And that's where Google ads makes the most sense. <laughs> um, and the other third one that's in the party there is, is definitely Facebook. Um, we consider that more of a, a distribution channel or a, a an opportunity to test with an audience to see if a piece of content is really going to resonate. Yeah, definitely more awareness. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's more of an awareness type, um, uh, more of usually just blogs or, or big announcements or kind of PR type mm-hmm. things that we'll use. Mm-hmm. Um, just because the cost per click is so much lower, um, your distribution is a little bit easier. If you're going to pay $15, $20, $25 for a click on LinkedIn, you really want to be seeing a, a, a better result for that or an actual sure. conversion that, that's happening. Yeah, so. right. Yeah, and I'll just add on, on paid search. I mean, I think uh, at the end of the day, you know, the way that people use paid search, a lot of it has to do with like buying intent, right? Like I'm going into paid to Google and I'm typing in what I want to buy. And then, yeah, you can send them to a landing page and hopefully get that quick conversion. And, mm-hmm. and that makes all the sense in the world. Uh, but sometimes, you know, it, it also makes sense to uh, promote your content on paid search. We have a client who works with a lot of companies who are go- about to go through an IPO, right? Mm. And so on LinkedIn or on Facebook, there's no box that you can check that says, I'm about to go through an IPO, right? right? And so Google's great for that because you're telling me kind of what you're searching for. Mm. Now, not everybody's going to search for pre-IPO consulting firm, pre-IPO accounting help, right? Mm-hmm. But they're gonna search uh, particular topics around pre-IPO. I sure. won't get into any boring accounting topics. <laughs> um, but when they search those types of topics, we've created pieces of content for those various topics and they're gated. So mm-hmm. when somebody searches that, I can put that gated pre-IPO timeline in front of you. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's not somebody coming to me and saying, I want to buy now or I need some consulting help. Yeah. But the dollar size of a deal with that type of client is so huge mm-hmm. that I'm okay with some uh, lower close rates on that uh, group of leads because sure. the dollar size is so Yeah, large. right, right. Because the average, yeah, the size of the deal could be so much larger. Um, so it sounds like people aren't thinking about Google and, and paid like AdWords as a channel for driving content leads. Yeah. Um, but you're saying that there's very much an opportunity to do so. Yeah, definitely. And then I think the other side of that too is, um, you know, somebody go- goes to Google and does type in uh, pre-IPO uh, accounting consulting group, yeah. more of a, a bottom of the funnel, I want to <laughs> buy now type situation. Um, great, you've got them in a landing page, you go to a sales meeting, yep. uh, but then they don't close. Right, we've all we've all been down that path before. Um, so, what do you do next? 
Well, it's the same nurture, inbound contents, and then further down the funnel concept, right? Yeah. So thinking about paid search within that lens of an inbound strategy makes all the sense in the world because at that point, <laughs> after it doesn't close for whatever reason, you know, send them into a, an automated workflow where you trickle out the exact same content that you would to somebody who downloaded an ebook, right? right? So it's just think it's it's not anything you know evolutionary. It's just kind of changing your mindset and thinking about these paid search uh, channels within that inbound strategy lens. So it, just because you came in through um, like a paid ad doesn't mean you have to be an immediate close. There's an opportunity to nurture those leads just like anybody else in in your in your database, your your pipeline. Or Absolutely. And, um, you know, be, coming from sales myself, I, I will say that uh, as soon as that person tells you no, that that person may disappear in your CRM, right? <laughs> sales guys get busy. Mm -hmm. There's other people that are more priority, right? Mm -hmm. And so just ensuring that you automate some of that on the back end, um, mm -hmm. just make sure that they continue to get that, you know, that, that type of content. Mm -hmm. Yes, signing them up for a newsletter is great. Um, but if I know that you were interested in a pre-IPO, um, and that maybe isn't happening for a year or so, I can just trickle out similar topic around that for the next year. Well, that's right. So you have to be able to categorize, I didn't mean to cut you off, but you just have to be able to categorize those leads appropriately. Like we know exactly what they were in the market for, so have them on those necessary lists, uh, you know, nurture campaigns, uh, what have you. Absolutely. Yeah, and then the reason that makes sense for us specifically is, is like I mentioned, we're mostly B2B. So yeah. that, that sales cycle can be so much more complicated. It can be so much more long-term. There's a lot more evaluation. It's a big purchase, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, there's always a lot of different factors involved and timing is always a big one of them. Uh, oh, we're not getting funding until next quarter or we already spent our budget this quarter on something else mm -hmm. or uh, we're still waiting to onboard the team member who's gonna run this platform. Like whatever those different situations are that just because they search that bottom of the funnel term came through the site, became a contact that was looking like a, okay, let's get into contract negotiation stuff. There's always things that can happen uh, that can slow that down, mm. especially in B2B. So all the things that we just talked about are really important to continue to nurture that lead, regardless of you know when it's gonna be right for them. Sure, no, that makes a ton of sense. Um, slight pivot here in topic, but how do you guys handle like the billing and invoicing for your clients around paid ads. I think there's a number of different ways to do it. I've seen percentage of spend. I've seen flat fees. Um, do you guys take margins off the, you know, whatever hat, whatever it is. Um, how do you guys uh, bill, invoice, handle the finances with paid ads? Uh, and, you know, did you test and try different things along the way? I'd just be interested to hear that journey. Yeah, for sure. So um, I think like most agencies, we've tried a lot of different structures. Um, there's a lot of different things that have worked or haven't worked for various different reasons. Um, and for us, it's like a, a continuing to evolve and see what works. And, and I will go back to kind of each engagement or each situation is different, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we kind of build differently by platform. Um, typically, Facebook and LinkedIn are, are very similar. We'll typically have a fat. <laughs> we'll typically have a nice fat fee. Yeah. Um, so for Facebook and LinkedIn, they're very similar. We'll usually have a, a flat rate fee that kind of covers all of our, our, our management of the campaigns, optimizations and reporting. Wow. And that also is, is usually limited to, to up to a certain number of ads in a given month. So that's kind of the way that we kind of regulate the amount of hours that we're putting into a, a given campaign. Um, that, that's kind of Facebook and LinkedIn. And then Google ads is what you mentioned. We do a, a, a flat rate fee. Again, that covers our, our, our optimizations, our reporting, testing, all the mm -hmm. things that are going on in the background. Uh, and then we'll do a percentage of spend as well. Okay. So, so that's kind of the typical um, agency structure for billing for, for um, those type of platforms. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, we've tried different things and it's evolved over time, but that's kind of where we've honed in on what makes the most sense. 
Um, the only other, I think, outlier I would say is that we do have a client that is a, uh, a large retainer for us on the inbound side, as well as, um, you know, some PR stuff and we're doing video work with them. It's just a, one of the bigger clients that we work with. Mm. I mean, in that situation, you know, they came to us and actually asked to be just on a set paid media retainer. Mm. So that means it includes all the things that we just talked about in addition to running native advertising or doing some programmatic or whatever that is. And what we do there is we just track our hours to make sure that that we're staying within that retainer each month and mm -hmm. making sure that that makes sense. So, so I think size plays a part too. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of have a, yeah. yeah, absolutely, man. So it just kind of depends on, on that certain situation. And obviously that client that I was just alluded to is one that we've worked with for two or three years now. It's a yeah. great, great working relationship and it just made sense for both parties to just say, let's just do a retainer and then let's not think about it. Yeah, well, I definitely wouldn't do that for like the new client, right? <laughs> or like a smaller budget. But after you've established that relationship, you understand that you trust each other. Um, you've got, you know, long-term contracts in place. We don't want to upset or ruffle any feathers uh, mm. of the client uh, just because, you know, I think in that particular situation, they weren't too keen on a percentage of spend, and which which I can, you know, I can understand. And, and they're a company where there's not a whole lot of uh, marketing minded people, so they're not as familiar with that sure. concept. Right. And so, you know, if we if we are doing what we're doing and we're estimating hours accordingly, we can get pretty close. You know, using uh, some time tracking tools, stuff mm -hmm. like that, like a cello. Yeah. Um, you know, we can get pretty close to however many hours we think it, it is going to be. And then, you know, track if you do that, track hours. So when that contract does come back up, make sure that you can, you know, get it get it right. Yeah, and it's profitable for, for right. agency. Yeah, you know, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, so. I know with the social networks in particular, there is just a whole slew of targeting options, right? Yeah. Like the, the expansiveness of how you can target audiences is just ginormous, right? Do you guys, can you guys think of any like creative or unconventional targeting options that you put into place that worked uh, really well for a client? Um, so I don't know necessarily of, of anything that's uh, outlandish or strange. Mm. Um, you're, you're fairly restricted basically on LinkedIn by, by what the user gives you, right? Check. So there's a handful of boxes you can check that basically when they set up their profile, they're giving you that information. Yeah. One of the biggest values that LinkedIn has is typically that information is much cleaner, much more accurate because it's 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 a professional network, yeah. right? Yeah, right. Um, you gonna add to that? Oh, I was just agreeing, yeah. Um, I would say on, on LinkedIn, um, some of the uh, lookalike audiences, yeah. that's a new feature yeah. that came out this mm -hmm. year, being able to upload lists. Um, and then I would say in the sales process for people who aren't really in the trenches with LinkedIn, I mean, to, to maybe people here and some of our audiences may be obvious, um, but being able to tell somebody in the sales process, like how many people are in your CRM, oh, you know, five, 15,000 people, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, well, I mean, we can upload those people into LinkedIn and put ads in front of them yeah. all day. I mean, yeah. it really resonates with them. Yeah. Well, or and, upload a list of your best customers, right? And then you can go ahead company and- company URLs. Yeah, and you can mm -hmm. build a lookalike audience based on those emails or URLs or whatever that is. Um, but I think when it comes to targeting, and I'm really alluding to LinkedIn, because that's where we, we do a majority of our ads. Is that, spend, yeah, that's, that's where, where we focus on. Just yeah. for our clients, B2B, LinkedIn yep, makes the, the most perfect sense. network, yeah. Um, what really works for us and what really sets the foundation of that targeting is having really good buyer personas. Um, that almost is laying the groundwork or the framework for what those audiences are gonna look like. Um, there's some very granular things that we do in the background, the way we manage campaigns that um, I think is a good advantage for us. But uh, when you have those buyer personas or those job titles and, and their interests and all those things that you can legitimately target on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. that really sets you up for success um, to build those audiences. But then obviously the other side of that is, are you creating content that is extremely relevant to that audience. Sure. So the more that you can get granular and I know this is the audience, I know this is what they care about, mm -hmm. let's just put it in front of them. That's where you start to see really good results just really based on honing in on who you're trying to get in front yep. of. So do you guys consult on the persona development as well? And then do you also 
like do you create the content like oh, yeah. the, the, the offers that you put on those LinkedIn ads? Yeah, yeah definitely. It's, it's more preferred, um, you know, because what, what we've seen, uh, we have had clients that get these uh, deals with LinkedIn where they kind of get thrown uh, like banner ads into to, uh, the package that they buy or whatever, yeah. like when they buy recruiting seats or uh, whatever it may be. Um, and those are okay. And if you have the budget for brand awareness, like go for it. It makes sure. all the sense in the world. But um, if you're trying to convert people, what we've seen is that, you know, uh, putting out gated pieces of content through those uh, sponsored content ads mm -hmm. is really the best way to go. But to Carter's point, um, you have to be creating content that's actually interesting to them. And that's kind of where the inbound uh, methodology or the inbound strategy comes into play, right? Yeah. If you're just signing up with me to do, um, you know, LinkedIn ads, and I'm not in the trenches with you when it comes to your inbound strategy, I'm not gonna be able to make the, the best recommendation that I can. But if I'm learning about your industry, I know your buyer personas back to front. I'm sitting in on those blog calls and those content offer calls, and we're, we're producing everything start to finish. It's gonna be very easy for me to go to my paid uh, media person and say, hey, um, we're getting a ton of organic traffic uh, for this particular topic. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it seems to be trending towards these two buyer personas. Let's put some ad dollars through that. Mm -hmm. I bet you we get higher uh, uh, conversion rates. Yeah. And then vice versa, you may have a topic that, um, or a, a content offer for whatever yeah. reason, it's maybe just not performing. Uh, but you chose that topic because uh, you're talking to a subject matter expert that is talking to their buyer personas and saying, no, people care about this, I promise you. Um, and then you go and you put that on LinkedIn to kind of test that, mm -hmm. test the waters and see if they're right. If you start to see those conversion rates that are higher, um, then you can come back over to the inbound side and say, okay, well, what, are we, what do we need to change here? For whatever reason, this isn't uh, performing organically. Should convert high, but it's just not performing. Yeah, and so those can kind of inform each other, right? Yeah. And so that's, that's the thing Carter talks about a lot is like making sure that your inbound person or your content person is in close communication with the paid media team. Because these two halves should influence each other. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're, and I and I, we this is kind of content that's kind of paid for our agency, and that's kind yeah. of the the reason that we're both here talking about it. But if you've got a paid team who's sitting in a separate corner and isn't communicating with your content team, then then this whole this whole thing of of layering paid media in with inbound doesn't happen. Sure. Like it doesn't work. Um, you have to be talking to each other, and what's performing really well organically probably is going to do well in paid. Mm -hmm. And then if you if you are in you know in tune with what the market is doing or what the industry is talking about, and that content is relevant and you know it, that's where you can take those ad dollars and throw some fuel under the fire and get it get it in front of those eyeballs that we know care about it. Yeah. yeah. And I would say also you know kind of going back to the piece that maybe isn't performing as well organically but is really well on paid that oftentimes is there's an education issue, right? Hmm. And so that does kind of, it solves that problem where people don't know to search for it, hmm. but when they see it in front of them, it's like the light bulb goes off and you're solving that problem for them or you're educating them on this topic that hmm. it's maybe in the back of their mind, they're just not actively searching at that time. And so it kind of does solve that, that problem. Um, once you uncover that, how do you then make changes or what do you change about the organic side or the inbound campaign to help boost uh, the performance of it uh, on the non-paid side. Yeah, so I, strategies? yeah, I think it's just about uh, zooming out and looking at the larger topic at hand. Maybe I'm focused on a subtopic that is maybe just too niche, right? Mm. I'm going to that search engine results page and I'm searching that maybe a zoomed out the broader topic, right? And I'm seeing what people are writing about. And then, and then we're kind of getting to some SEO stuff, but then it's, you know, it's looking at uh, basically the way Google works now is you, you're searching for a term and it doesn't always necessarily give you the Wikipedia page for that term. It understands that if you are searching for um, 
the example that was brought up the other day was um, uh, what was it? Um, it was like uh, oh, that's kind of gross. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? Yeah. So, well, the the search was. Um, it was for like how to handle uh, acne or something yeah. like oh, that. Okay. Something like that. Oh, no, away. You, yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. away. Sorry, right. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, or maybe it was something as simple as acne, right? Yeah. You're not going to necessarily find a Wikipedia page for acne. It's going to be how do I treat acne? How do I do this? How do I do that? And so it's just looking at the intent of what Google thinks those uh, searchers are looking for or what the intent of their search is. Um, and then you can kind of reverse engineer that search engine results page and then mm -hmm. make sure that you're covering those subtopics within your page, whether that's through a, a pillar page or, you know, various blog topics. Yeah. And then I think the other thing is if, if you know, we're, if we're not seeing something get the organic reach or the growth that we expected it, or if it's, it's resonating on page, but no one's finding it, it's like, maybe it's buried. Maybe mm -hmm. you're not, maybe you're not internally linking to it very well. Maybe you're not putting CTAs and other relevant pieces of content to get some more eyeballs on that piece. That's not getting that, that, um, that growth or those, the, the sessions that you expect. So that's another thing we think about is like, okay, are there other places on the site or other blogs we've written about that are relevant to this piece that we can start linking to, or maybe mm -hmm. we can put it into some drip email campaigns because we know it's relevant. It's just not being found organically for whatever those reasons are. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I mean, I, again, that just speaks to the value because you know, a, a powerful way to get it in front of the, the right audience at the right time. Um, so you can supplement kind of while you explore and, and figure out right. the inbound side or the organic side of things, mm -hmm. uh, but you can still get some some eyeballs and ideally some conversions on that content in the interim. Yep. Yeah, you can get that data a lot quicker, right? Yeah. You know, with, with inbound and with organic, um, it could take you months to, to get the eyeballs on it that you need to understand, like, is this success or is this mm -hmm. failure? But if we do a test on LinkedIn and nobody downloads it, all right. No, we, we learn time. Yeah, yeah let's right. move on. Let's yeah. go on to the next one. And then you you aren't working on this topic for three, six months then to learn that, <laughs> oh, nobody cares about this. Right. We were wrong. Yeah. And really that that starts to develop like a feedback loop, right? As sure. you, you can start to see what resonates, what doesn't on either either platform, the organic or the paid, and that can really start to inform your entire content strategy. Yeah, that's great. Uh, final question for you. Uh, I don't know if I previewed this one, but we asked uh -oh. all of our guests. Uh, yeah, what is the what is the the weirdest part of agency life? It's tough. Besides acne ads, I guess. <laughs> I'd say for me, it's like curveball client and prospect meetings. Hmm. And and sometimes you learn about those up front, right? If you go into like a, a pitch meeting or a discovery call, and somebody on the phone is kind of Looney Tunes, <laughs> right? Um, but I would say my favorite is like when you're not prepared for it, where like you've kind of got some rapport. You know, you're, you're meeting with the client, there's no uh, real red flags, no curveballs. Uh, but then out of, you know, left field, you know, something gets said, we've been on, we've been on calls where, uh, you know, uh, clients get uh, rather heated with each other. That's always interesting. Um, <laughs> so or just quirky just, personalities. Yeah, right. yeah. You never and, know who you're going to get on the phone. Yeah, I just think, you know, sitting on the other end of the call and, you know, laughing with your, with your yeah. teammates and just rolling with the mute. punches. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. That's a good answer. Yeah, I don't, I'm struggling to think of the weirdest. See, we saved the curveball for last no, one. No, and, I, and, I've, and I've seen enough episodes to know that. Oh, you knew it was coming. I just didn't take coming. the time to, to process yeah. and think about that. Well, something. I think uh, clients yelling at each other on phones is pretty good. So just in, in, in fighting amongst clients, yeah. I think that's a pretty good answer. So you don't have to be fighting. I don't want to don't, don't want to say that I enjoy uh, yeah, that's people right. fighting. Yeah, yeah, but, we have a safe uh, base at the end here. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, listen, interesting personalities. Perfect. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for coming on. Uh, it's been thank an absolute you. pleasure. So I appreciate you uh, taking some time. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Agency Unfiltered. 
If you like what you saw, heard, or read, make sure to subscribe to our playlist on YouTube, our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or our newsletter on agencyunfiltered.com. Alongside episode launch notifications, the newsletter also comes with a ton of other helpful, strategically curated agency content from yours truly. And if you want to keep the conversation going or provide a counterpoint to this episode's discussion, tweet me at, at Kevin underscore Dunn. I'll see you again in two weeks, but in the meantime, keep it unfiltered and let's all grow.